and we are live on our first podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> the Woman on Fire podcast. We finally have a name. And yes, we have a name. We have a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And this is our first podcast, even though we <laughs> this is our third time trying to record. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's how dedicated we are. We try to record it twice before, but uh, there were technical difficulties, as in I didn't know how to use the microphone, and it didn't really record all that well. So we really want to bring this through, so we are here once again <laughs> to let you know what we are about, who we are, and why we're here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> yep. So, Women on Fire, maybe we should break that down. What is this podcast quoted about? Our name, yeah. what's that about? Right, well, I would have to say that we are women <laughs> who support people <laughs> um, through um, spirituality and emotional support, physical well-being, and largely womb-centered health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it in a nutshell for sure, and that's why I think I love the name that you suggested, Woman on Fire, so much, because it was not so specific as some of the things that I watched, (laughs) which was like, womb something, something, womb, 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 but Women on Fire, it's like, we have so many topics to dive into beyond just how, or, you know, it's not just birth, you know, that's a big aspect of what we love to support people through. Um, yeah, it's so much more than just that, absolutely. So yeah, that's definitely why we're here, talking about yeah. all those things. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask you, maybe if you want to introduce who you are and why do you care to be here, Jamie? Oh, yeah, her name's sure. Jamie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Jamie. And I am a mother of two um, bright, shiny kids, um, a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. And um, through my journey of mothering, um, I have also been put on the path towards um, supporting and loving up on families. Um, as they bring their children into this world. And so I um, feel that it's my duty to to shed light on darkened areas. And it is, um, I'm here for tough conversations and I support the many aspects um, and personal journeys that people have as far as, um, as far as it, goes to being parents and especially um the birthing person and the person being born (laughs) so i stand in their corner um, with light and love and support and um i'm here to listen and i'm also here to get a little fired up about Mm -hmm. some of the ways that society perceives this journey and um break down some barriers and hopefully even open some doors um, to talk about some of the harder things that um, that we're really trying to promote, which are being very much stifled by, um, by society, by um, the systems, by everything that has kind of been put in place over the past couple thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> but more specifically the past hundred years or so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds so should be this with you. <laughs> Trying to shift some consciousness a little bit. Big time. Right. Right, because I know I I mean the paradigm shift I've experienced in this journey over many times. 
I feel like there's always another layer of the paradigm, <laughs> but um, that's been mind-blowing for me, and I, that's why I'm interested in being here, it's, you know, from being in the place of not knowing any of it, and then breaking over to knowing so much more, it's like, wow, this is a whole nother world, and, and I want to let people know about, you know, this other world and some of the stuff out here. Um, yeah, that's why I'm interested in being here. It's letting people know what different options look like and different perspectives look like and different ways of perceiving things. Um, yes. Uh, just seeing people, I'll give an example of, you know, the birth world, but seeing people kind of go through into their births in the medical conventional paradigm and really doing a lot of research and understanding of certain things and trying to go into it as educated as possible, right? As knowing things about like, oh, well, the estimated due date is just, you know, only 5% of people ever give birth on their due date anyway, so it's not a big deal if you go beyond it and knowing things that it's best to try to not induce if, you know, there isn't any major risk or whatever. And, and trying to let things out of their own. And if you do start with the token or something, then that can be a domino effect. Like they do all the research and they understand all these things. And then I see a lot of people who, you know, they do that and then they still kind of end up being run through the industrial mill. And that's left me thinking, well, is the knowledge not enough? <laughs> like, you know what, what? I mean, if you have all this knowledge and then you still get put through the mill of all the things that you informed yourself about and didn't want to fall into and still do, then, I mean, what's missing here? And then I realized, well, competent knowledge is not enough, if that perhaps it's not <laughs> enough knowledge, then, right? Because maybe there's other pieces missing of not knowing, well, how else can it look then? What else could I do? How else could I approach this? Um, so anyways, I think that's, that's a big part of why I'm here <laughs> to have you know the unconventional conversations, the non-mainstream perspectives shared that you and I get to have often with each other, and I'm so grateful for. Um, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to sit here publicly with me and um, you know let these conversations ripple through the digital world to whoever they need to reach. Um, because yeah, these are not common conversations. <laughs> um, yeah, that are yeah, they're not had by many, and um, yeah, our voices are often being stifled. If that's the right word, or whatever, put down. Stifled. Yeah. Stifled. Thank you. I don't what the stifle. <laughs> Anyways, right? Not our voices are often um, yeah trying to be filtered. In various ways and have been for a long time. So, uh, this is a way to kind of hmm, push back against that and, <laughs> and say, well, no, we're not okay with our voices being shut down and options being shut down. Uh, we're here to speak even louder because <laughs> we're on fire. That's right. And we'll talk to, you know, knowing that what the space that we hold, a lot of people don't even know. And if you don't, like you were saying, you know, what are my options? What is really, but if you're only shown a piece of the whole picture, then how can you make an informed choice? Um, and what do those options mean? And how can somebody navigate it for their own personal perspective so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have though it has been really interesting in light of all that has been going on in healthcare and whatnot in the past few months with our pandemic you know there's been a lot more um, curiosity about um, well why am I going to the hospital to to birth my baby when I'm I actually am healthier than I've ever been and I'm, I'm not sick and maybe the hospital is a place for people who are ill or who are recovering and not necessarily a place for, for a miracle of life to unfold 
at the moment it unfolds. <laughs> um, I think people have, there, there's, the discussion has gotten broader recently. People are more curious of how this work ended up under the guise of um, medical professionals or experts or, um, and I think that folks kind of sitting around with themselves and their own thoughts has also um, sparked some curiosity of who, who is the expert of my body? <laughs> Is it someone that I only spend five or 10 minutes with once a month? Do they know better about me? Yeah, bingo on all those things. That's been um, a big part of this, or I guess the silver lining of this um, pandemic madness is seeing people um, like finally question the things and see some of the things that you know, many people have been saying for a long time in the homeless world of like, well, you know, hospitals where people go when they're sick and there's lots of germs there, <laughs> you know, like, why shall a healthy pregnant woman give birth there, you know, it's like, hmm, good question. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun to see people finally question that as the mainstream birthplace that has so that has really only become mainstream in the past couple of generations. And people were getting birth at home not that long ago. Yeah, it's actually really um, interesting to, to meet people who have mothers or grandmothers who birthed at home because um, it really is two or three generations deep, really, um, for some. And unless you're having your babies very close together, <laughs> very young ages. <laughs> and uh, even that where they know that there's a lineage and that the link got dropped and they're picking it back up again. And that um, connection to their ancestors and their connection to something that is much more personal and, and that spiritual alignment that's that's that piece, I think, as far as, you know, there's the book Spiritual Midwifery, and why is it named that? When I first read that book 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whenever, you know, oh, Spiritual Midwifery, it sounds very, um, uh, I don't know, almost woo-woo, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you start doing the work, and you realize that bringing a baby in is, is, um, it is spiritual work, whether it's midwifery, whether it's the mother, whether it's the baby, it's, you know, by and large, if you are, if you are in good health, then pregnancy and birth and postpartum is largely not medical. It is emotional and it is spiritual. And the more we can nourish that, and shed light on that and have those discussions with our families, then that vulnerability piece tends to shed and melt away because we do talk about those harder things about becoming a mother, not just having a baby and walking out of the hospital with a baby. You know, it's what it means to, to make decisions during your pregnancy and how that helps guide you for making decisions in parenting and um, finding your voice and your truth and being proud of it as opposed to feeling threatened by um, discord or people who don't align or who don't believe in that and realizing that, you know, that's okay. You can still just be you and you can raise your child how you want and um, those conversations are, are deep and important because I think that that helps the mother let go when it's time to release the baby. Because <laughs> she's really knows she's being seen for who she is and her choices are being respected and honored and loved as opposed to challenged 
or debated. Um, I think that that's really important and that's that spiritual work of, of connecting with your child, connecting with your partner and, and this trajectory of where you're going with it. It's not just about birth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I want to harp on that. It's not just about birth. I mean, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So, again, that's why I love that our name of this podcast is Broad. Um, not just about birth, because it, you know, all these things you're saying about, you know, reclaiming your voice or using your voice and your power and all these things are just always relevant and it's always a process to growth, but you know, relevant at all times of our lives. And um, yeah, if you've been practicing using your voice throughout your life and then leading up to your birth, then you've got some practice with it as opposed to never using it and all of a sudden having to figure it all out in a short amount of time. Um, which can be done, <laughs> but certainly uh, another challenge. Um, but yeah, uh, we just covered so much amazing territory. <laughs> in that share um but yeah you know we're reclaiming something yeah call it primal ancestral and you know for me you know something big as womanhood i mean i don't have babies um yet i knew i wanted to be a midwife before i had ever attended a birth <laughs> and you know once i started opening my eyes to the fact that birth is um so much more than what I saw in Hollywood, which was the, the pickled jar shattering and like flooding the house, and it's a huge emergency. And right, exactly. Everyone's screaming, and the baby comes like really fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really the only impression I had of birth, and that's the only knowledge I had of birth was what I got from the Hollywood movies. And I know a lot of people are in that position because we don't tend to talk about birth that much nowadays. And, you know, it's certainly not the way it was before where we just help each other as women in the village and every woman was just involved in the process and just knew about what the birth process um, tends to look like. So, um, well, and I think, yeah, the the medical society has really taken ownership over that too, that you couldn't possibly know what's going on with your body or that you need us or that, you know, and then women tend to believe that. And then they tell that to their sisters. They tell that to their friends, you know, like, Oh, well, well you need, you need those doctors. You you need them in case there's your body doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we're in this place where the medical society deems a third of women incapable of bringing their children in. Um, and how did that change so dramatically in the past 30 years? So. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's totally connected. The reclaiming, what are, what are we reclaiming? Why are we even in a position of having to reclaim our power over a woman? Because there have been experts that have positioned themselves as wealth experts, right? The professionals that know about the process and more than you do because they studied it. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's there's something to that, but that doesn't mean that their insight should override the person who's actually growing the baby and birthing the baby, but that is what tends to happen and it does get perpetuated. I mean, there's certainly, um, they took power, but then there's also been somewhere, well, at large, and they have also given them the power and there's people that want to keep doing that. Sure, great, um, but we're, <laughs> um, you know, I guess we're here to just shine light on other options. And if you know those options and you still want to hand over your power to someone else, well, then it's always some years post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's digging into like who holds the authority, and then you have to respect those people. And you can be diminished yourself because you have to respect this authority. And so, um, or 
concerns or questions get um, sort of pushed aside because, well, aren't you just going to take my word for it? And yeah. then that makes the woman feel small or like she doesn't want to be a bad patient. So she doesn't want to take too much time to address her concerns because she doesn't want to, um, you know, rock the boat. And we as women too, um, this is this thousands of years of process of diminishing women and their voice and their truth and, um, you know, being subservient. And um, so we've been on this trajectory for a long time of, um, sort of taking away or, um, or what am I trying to say? Um, taking away the, the power or um, redirecting it. So um, to, to some other person who, like I said in the beginning, like they don't really even know you. They know all this book stuff. They've done, you know, X, Y, and Z, but do they know you and what you want? So, authority, yeah, that's definitely going to be something that our conversations and podcasts will often center around. Um, I guess if I have any agenda, it's you know, it's not about thinking that home birth is better or that you know, or disclaimer, you know, I want people to know it's not that I'm against the medical system or the conventional system. And we'll have, you know, podcasts where we will navigate the gray zones of where these different worlds overlap because they do. Um, but I, yeah, it's not about saying that one's better, whatnot. Um, but if I have an agenda, it is that, you know, I do want to encourage others to make their center or their choices based on you know their inner guidance you know listen to the others and various experts and pros and different people sure gather your information sure but let it be a choice your choice be your choice not well because he said it and he sounds really convincing <laughs> um or even my the home person likes it and she's really convincing you know whatever no I just want it to come from within so at the end of the day you still you know feel like you need your c-section plan for xyz great you went through all your options you checked in with yourself and your baby and it was an internal autonomous choice free of fear mongering and coercion and false information <laughs> you know so so yes I do have an agenda <laughs> but it's that. yeah <laughs> it's not well in the yeah. decolonization of your body Thank you. Thank you. absolutely yeah and that's why i stand here as a non-mother going into midwifery it's because it's you know it's just we're it's reclaiming so much it's reclaiming our voice right as women who for a long time our voices were put down right women are just to be seen be quiet the men are talking right you weren't I mean, we had to fight for our voices to be heard um, through voting. I mean, <laughs> it's been a long journey for women's voices to be heard, and we're still trying to work on that in terms of finding equality um, with others' voices. Um, but it, it's a lifelong practice of reclaiming our voice and autonomy over our own bodies, and that's why I offer my care. It, you know, I, I like to support womb wellness throughout the lifetime all the things you know because we have a womb all the time <laughs> right so even when it comes to like um vaginal care right i do the vaginal steaming and i had a woman come to one of my ceremonies one time expecting to like have put on a medical gown and have like i don't know i guess steam like forced into her or something because in her mind vaginal care has always only been uncomfortable and really medicalized and dry right and so i was one super surprised that she shit up <laughs> thinking that's what was gonna happen um but 
then she was also very pleasantly surprised to find out that, oh no, it's actually very simple practice and it's just loving. And, we, and you can take care of our vaginal health ourselves in a loving, gentle, powerful way. Um, so yeah, just reclaiming um, our bodily knowledge and ability to understand ourselves. And yeah, shattering a lot of the taboos and shames that surround these conversations about sexuality and, and your yoni and birth and all the things um, and menstruation because when we're in the fear of, oh no, don't talk about it because it's gross or it's, you know, don't speak about it, then we end up in this place of ignorance because we're not allowed to ever talk about it and then we can't understand it and then we just totally don't. And then we're at the And if you the are curious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you are curious, then you're a weirdo. Oh, totally. Totally. Exactly. Or a witch. <laughs> He's a witch. Don't <laughs> her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. So that's where we're here publicly. To, um, just invite others to not be afraid to <laughs> have the conversations that others might be weird. We have to just get over that because it's not helping us. It's really holding us back so much. But yeah, recognizing that that is something that can come up, you know, if you start talking about menstruation or birth to someone, I've had it happen, people are like grossed out, or even family, where it's like, oh, no, 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 like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but a willingness to try to work through that as a collective, because at large, where we're at, um, it's kind of heartbreaking, you know, birth statistics, women's health, I mean, most people have a terrible relationship with their cycle and their uterus, and more often than not, I feel like I hear that, instead of, I love, I love my birth, or I love my <laughs> cycle, or I love, you know, it's like, usually not something that people love, so that's really heartbreaking, um, so I guess I want to have the conversations that look at why that is, and why we're, we're why we are where we're at with that, and what we can do about it. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I fully agree. I fully agree. And I wanted to touch too on the medical, you know, aspect. I, I, I don't mean to shun or be super negative about that world either. I think that it's, you know, there's this gentle balance and, um, you know, I have colleagues that are medical professionals and we have deep, wonderful, great conversations. Um, but by and large, that's not, I think, what the, the universities are producing. <laughs> they're, they're not producing free thinkers. They're producing like, you know, um, information in a box. And um, so I think that that's part of it too, is having these good conversations with with folks who have gone through university systems, but who are also have been trained to be free thinkers, that just because I learned it at school doesn't mean that it's 100% true or that it's a universal blanket statement that there are exceptions to the rules and that um, maybe I don't, just because I know and I have a degree doesn't mean I know everything and that there's something more and that life is worth being curious about um, as opposed to things being set in science or, um, you know, science is only true until it's proven untrue. <laughs> and we've seen this um, for many, many, you know, hundreds of years too, right? I mean, they thought the earth was flat and some people still do. <laughs> right. right. Um, and so I think that that's one of the, um, that's one of my great hopes is that, um, is that we can also train people to be free thinkers, that here's some education and here's some information, and then that may open the door or shed light on doors that you would have never seen before, or that you may have never um, been, been thoughtful to open even. Maybe it was in the peripheral and then suddenly the light is shine, shines on that space and you, and you wonder about, oh, well, you know, maybe there is something more to it and give being brave enough to, um, to go deeper, to, to, 
to be willing to realize that there's always just so much more to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. Free thinkers. I read a quote the other day. It's like, like, I'm not trying to convince you to think like me. I'm just trying to convince you to think. <laughs> I just think, right? Just analyze everything, question everything, question everyone. Don't just take anyone's word for it, even if they have a really cool, fancy white coat that's like just re ironing really well. It looks so perfect. <laughs> um, right, to really allow yourself to be um, your own authority and really dismantle the hierarchy that we, at large anyways, are mostly trained to follow in this modern culture um, and to break free from that mold of just listening to someone else before you listen or listen to yourself and yeah it can be very confusing these days because there's so much information and you can find an article to prove at any point <laughs> so it's really hard to make sense of anything that's why you know you have to have the peace from within as well, your own thinking, your own feeling. And we want to highlight that as crucial, important, and totally valid and important. And not just, oh, well, you know, I have a feeling, but, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Like, no, let's, let's honor those internal guides that everyone has. Yes, that deep inner knowing and um, that remembering of that isn't really lost. It's just been buried or been, again, like we're not allowed to talk about it or we're not allowed to ask questions because it makes us um, abrasive or that we're not being um, good clients or whatnot, you know. Um, and that is, I think, part of that, um, one of the essences of, of traditional midwifery practice is honoring the truth in people. Um, that, that, that question, that little voice, you know, like having the opportunity to talk about it and, and dissect it and look at it and, um, as opposed to being silenced or... Um, it being sort of like, oh yeah, well, everyone feels that. This is normal, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. you know? um, it's normal and it's still important to the person in front of you because they're bringing it up. Mm -hmm. So. Right. Right. Personalized care, humanized care. Baffles me, there has to be a whole movement for humanized care, like, oh gosh. We weren't doing that? Why did we stop doing that? <laughs> why was that left out of the equation and why do we need to reinsert it? Okay. <laughs> but yes, definitely reinsert it if it's not there, for sure. Let's be human <laughs> to each other and to yourself. Be human. Um, yeah, your voice matters. Absolutely. I mean, everyone's experience is different, but. Um, in my life, the main discrimination I have witnessed has been against those who don't blindly or without question follow the orders, essentially, of someone who has put themselves in higher power. Right, what well, you're talking about rocking the boat and that, like, every time that someone <laughs> wants to just ask questions, you know, it's like asking questions becomes all of a sudden being non-compliant. Like it's just asking questions or even advocating for yourself becomes someone being non-compliant or, you know, even choosing to not do what was highly recommended by someone in authority is non-compliant. Like we don't have to, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's a shame. That's what I have seen. That's the people that are I have seen mostly discriminated against is those that, um, yeah, ruffle feathers and are free thinkers. Um, so it's, yeah, free thinking is not often encouraged <laughs> um, in certain settings, so it can be harder to do um, when it's met with such English. And yet, 
we have to get over it. I know easier said than done sometimes, but we do have to <laughs> because the price that's paid by not. And then just staying silent really only hinders us and the babies and families and then the entire fabric of communities. And then that's why we end up with shattered communities that are so unhealthy and um, broken off. You know? Just talking about our communities at large, the fabric of our community. What is it like? What holds it together? If you have, you know, a woman who her whole whole life is told to just be quiet and her voice is not valued, and then she gives birth and just does what she's told, and she's completely heartbroken inside, but still doesn't say it, and then she goes on to raise her kid, and she's still heartbroken, and she still doesn't have confidence in her voice, and then, I mean, it's just like a huge cycle because that's what gets passed on, and right. And, We've had these really oh, this unhealthy communities and a lot to repair. Ah, but that's why we're here. Well, that's I mean, why I say it's not, it's, it's bigger than birth. It's not yeah. just about birth, but it's a really, yeah. we've, but we've all been born and um, it's the one common ground that we all have. And it's a great place to start because you know, when you are pregnant and when you are bringing a child in in that first year or forever after that, you know, you are, you're, you see a little differently. The, the world is, is a, colored a little differently. And when, when that gets silenced or that curiosity or that wonder or whatever, and then, and that trauma gets passed on. So, so birth and pregnancy is a wonderful time to explore those topics of like remembering or um, that what the woman who is carrying or the person who is carrying the child, like their mental state, you know, health is, we all know more than just a physical thing. And so how that pregnant person feels during the time of gestation and how they feel during the time of bringing that child in and how they feel during like loved or supported or shunned or neglected or whatever during all those times and how that plays out into that next generation, that child within, when they come and what it looks like in those months after years after the if the birthing person is traumatized and doesn't have a place to converse about it because well at least you're alive yeah. you know but are you alive if you're miserable mm -hmm. and full of turmoil and you're told it's normal mm -hmm. you know you're you're silenced because at least you're alive mm -hmm. um and there's no where to put that conversation. And again, that just brings me back to the reality that, um, that it is so much more spiritual than medical, unless you have medical conditions. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, um, that sets us up. It's that cycle and it's been going on for generations now to like, and how do we remember? How do we remember how to bring our babies in? How do we remember how to love and forgive? How do we remember how to hold space for others? And what that does for the future and how important that really is. So it is bigger than birth, but it's a great place to start it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great place to start the whole conversation of our entire lives because that's where we mostly start. <laughs> yeah, uh, that reminds me of a quote that has really been a huge part in my journey, which is peace on earth begins with birth. And I found that quote at a time in my life where I was in a, a dark place and not full of hope at all and I was like all right I'm here on this earth so what do I possibly do to make this time meaningful uh, what could I possibly do to make a difference in the world that is so full of suffering that it's weighing down on me so hard right now and well eventually I came across that quote and it feels 
Wow, inspired me so much and has really carried me for years. Another variation of that quote, um, I think it's by Robin Lynn, is gentle birth heals Mother Earth. Um, it's all the same thing, you know. It matters how we approach birth. It matters how women and birthing people feel when they are carrying life and giving birth and how they are treated and how the people around them support them. All those moments matter. How a baby is received into the world, what their first impressions of the world will be matter. We know first impressions matter. Fathers and people are like, oh, don't worry about it. They won't remember. Okay. <laughs> the first time they're coming into this world. You may not remember in a cognitive way, but their cells will remember. I mean, imprints are a thing in brains. So it matters. It totally matters. Um, so that's what called me at large into this work was to make a difference we receive each other into the world and support each other and bring life into the world. Um, figured, yeah, right at the beginning. <laughs> and I, and I experienced that through my first pregnancy, you know, I honestly didn't really know anything. Um, I, I knew I wasn't really afraid. I knew that my baby would be born and that, you know, by and large we would live survive but I didn't know the extra layers of unpacking and so through my first pregnancy and my my first birth um, I somehow had this deep inner knowing that um, my child needed to be received in my home with people who loved me um, and loved like genuinely who I was and the questions I asked and um, I remember laying there in the immediate postpartum, totally wiped out <laughs> and thinking, gosh, families need to, need to know that there is alternatives, that there is choices that you can bring life in with, I mean, fear is healthy. I'm not saying that I, you know, I was fearless. I just didn't. Um, it's that gentle fear of the unknown, but it wasn't the overpowering um, emotion. I really just felt like I was in a giant hug the whole time, yeah. really, you know, even though no one was touching me, I wouldn't let anyone touch me or talk to me. <laughs> but I thought, gosh, you know, like families really need to know that there's other ways. And I was the only person I ever knew who had had their child at home at that point. Um, everybody else I knew was having birth center or hospital births attended by medical providers. And, um, and I just automatically, when I was pregnant, I just knew that that wasn't, that wasn't what I needed. And so, um, so it was really fascinating to be on the other side and have that like, wow moment of I felt like I had uncovered this secret <laughs> that, and then I couldn't help but want to or like Pandora's box you know like and then I wanted to share I wanted to shout from the rooftops that like you you it's hard work it's I mean you don't get out of the work <laughs> you got to <laughs> do the work um no matter what mode your baby comes, you don't get out of the work. Um, but that there's ways that you can do that work where you can feel like you're you, that you're not having to like confine or, or sorry, like, you know, like confine to somebody's preconceived conceptions of what you need to be doing or who you need to be or um, that you can just shine your own light and that's good enough well, and then I yeah, started yeah. attending births <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah you really leaned hard into that feeling right called you in <laughs> called me right in and I you know I think too like that 
um, how I ended up being a midwife was definitely through like I, that moment in that postpartum of just really realizing that there's just so much more that I feel that families don't get to experience and, and how can I make that possible for others? And, um, you know, started my trajectory of midwifery practice in a place where I had no ability to go to school for it. I had no, but I just said, I just got to do the work. So just take me, take me with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that has worked out for you so much. It has been really, it's, it's, it, you know, I think that when you do your heart's work, the doors open. They don't always open easily. It wasn't, it wasn't easy to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this anyway. And who knows where it's going to take me. But isn't that birth? Mm-hmm. Isn't that pregnancy? Isn't that like, okay, I'm going to do this. Ah! You know, be a parent who knows where it's gonna take me. Yeah, um, <laughs> surrendering into the unknown mystery. But I just have to trust that this is calling me, and that I have to answer. I have to show up because it, it's it's shouting in my ear. <laughs> it's so profound, and it's so, and it is, I think, a way to heal nations is by mm-hmm. by supporting and loving up on those who are bringing in these little spirits who want to be here despite all the craziness and chaos <laughs> of our world they're still coming and they want to be here and i by and large the longer i do this i feel that that's um it's really healing and wonderful to know that mm-hmm. and that the world is going to be okay and mm-hmm. that we we can shift the consciousness and we can love and support and not shame and shun like you said even for the women who know that like I really want to plan c-section I have trauma that I cannot deal with I have you know or whatever it is whatever their rationale or their reason but that they have that option and that, that door hasn't been shut for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they have the information to make an informed choice about that though as well, that it's not, um, this is the only way. There's only one way. Right. Um, and that's that free thinker university education paradox that um, also I think is important to explore. So, you know, it's bigger than birth. Bigger than birth. Bigger than birth. <laughs> yeah. I wanna, but it's why we do it. But yes. <laughs> right, right. Everything, life, all expands from birth. It's all an extension of birth. <laughs> I want to kind of highlight part of your story where you didn't really know other people that had this birth at home by the time that you decided that's what you wanted to do. And that's just really cool to me. So I want to highlight that as like, Thanks for being an example of doing something that wasn't necessarily something other people around you were doing, and you just did it anyway. It's not what everyone else was doing. You just did it because really what just felt like for you, and you did it. And I, you know, I don't know if you what the support around you was like around people at large, but it's kind of independent of the point. Like just do what felt feels right for you. So a great example. <laughs> well, and it's funny how, you know, you follow that inner knowing or that truth. And then later upon reflection, it's that aha moment of like, mm. oh yeah, that's why. Like I did it because it just felt right. Mm-hmm. But then the hindsight or the exploration of like, trusting your gut and then all the information that comes in after to support that decision that just felt right. You just did it because it felt right or you didn't do it because it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And then how we, um, how then, you know, that hindsight just solidifies like, Oh, I'm so glad I just trusted my gut, you know? And even though there was adversity and concern and, whatnot from other people because no one that I knew had done that or had even thought about it. 
um, yeah, just really fascinating to have my inner wisdom be honored as opposed to um, shut down or told I was silly or that um, I was making a bad choice. And I mean, there's always the naysayers, but it's funny because I don't really remember people's concern, but I don't really remember anybody telling me that I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm lucky because a lot of people do get like, what are you thinking? And how could you? But I also think that the company we keep is important. Bingo. Bingo. You surround yourself with, you know, Ooh, yeah. what people. serves you. Open-minded mm-hmm. people that also mm-hmm. don't feel like they need to impose their opinions or what they would choose on you. <laughs> or if they do, it's in a more gentle way, not, you know, and that's, again, I think that, you know, circles change a lot over time, your friendships, and you find who is really in your corner and who isn't. And, you know, those things shift over time. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, I guess not being afraid or even if you are afraid, but doing it anyways to break free from the mold and doing something different and coloring outside the lines. <laughs> you know, that's a big piece for my journey and this conversation, all these conversations we're having, you know, breaking free from the mold, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> Despite the fact that you may not be surrounded by a lot of people that are beyond the mold, you might be surrounded by the mold makers and all the molds, um, but still being willing to go beyond that. And you know, fear is part of the conversation um, in life and birth. Fear is a thing, it is relevant. I'm not, not saying, don't be afraid, disregard the fears, ignore it, do not pay attention to it. But no, pay attention to it, sure. But it's not the only aspect of the conversation. There is so much more to life um, than fear, right? I mean, people ride dirt bikes, that can be super dangerous. We could spend all day talking about how you should be utterly afraid to ever get on a bike and not do it, but there's also so much more to it than that, and people choose to do it all the time because they enjoy it so very much. (laughs) So great, and then there's people that just don't. Okay, fine. But yeah, you know, birth and breaking free from the mold and health and life and decisions we make, here is a part of the conversation, but let us expand the conversation beyond just that and take a look at all the other many aspects of it. <laughs> so yes, multifaceted conversations will be had on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, and I think too, it teaches us how to validate other people's feelings and where they're at and able to meet them where they're at without projecting our own um, deep opinions on others unless it's being asked of us um holding space and listening yeah yeah that is the ginormous part of the work that i'm always grateful to have um you in my life to be an amazing example of how to do that and inspire me to continuously check in with myself because yeah oh the honest here it can be hard to do that sometimes you know, just making sure, like, wait, am I just projecting dogma on people? What's the point of that? <laughs> like, that's really not helpful. Checking in with myself, like, ooh, am I falling into that? Um, and because I don't want to. So, yeah, I can be a slippery slope that I try not to do. Or, you know, catch myself if <laughs> it seems I might be going that way. Um, yeah, because that really doesn't end up serving others either. I mean, if anything, it might just help build walls. Um, No, it's just holding the space for others to find their own life and reconnect and strengthen the connection between themselves and their voice and their intuition. Um, And, you know, without the agenda of where I want that intuition to get to, (laughs) whatever. Um, Yeah, that's what it is. We're not here to tell you what to think. I just want you to think. 
yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. I think it might have been better than the other two podcasts that we tried to record. <laughs> Almost like a quick conversation of both of them. So. I, I'm glad that um, that you feel that way. I have felt a little on the distracted side. There's a lot going on in my house right now, and I just want to sort of put that out there that I'm having my house renovated, and there's lots of people coming in and out, and barking dog, and <laughs> conversation, and tile saws, and things like that. So I do apologize for the background noise. I've been trying to mute myself out as much as possible. <laughs> right. Well, that's why you're just so great at what you do. You are able to juggle a bazillion things at the same time and still be so present right here with us. You, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, you've really shown up here. So thank you. And we're just that committed to making this happen. That's what you want. You know, whatever, make it happen. Even though you, <laughs> Jamie is currently sitting outside for her house, I think maybe by the garage or something because she is that committed to showing up for this global community. So thank you, Jamie, for being so dedicated. <laughs> it's completely my pleasure. And <laughs> we've been trying to do this for so long and we've made several attempts and I will continue to make attempts because I do think that, you know, this is a, it is a big conversation and um, there need, it needs to start having um, like a bigger, broader spectrum of um, participants that this is, um, this is a, what the work that we do, the space we hold, um, you know, I would love for it to reach more people and again, just spark their curiosity. I'm not here to change anybody's mind. I'm just here to um, shed light on areas that maybe, like I said at the very beginning, have been darkened or shadowed or made taboo. And um, if you feel like you cannot speak, then how free are you? <laughs> so we're trying to um, release some of this suppression and we're trying to open minds and um, some people may agree and some people may disagree. Some people may agree with some and disagree with other bits. Um, and I hope that it brings about more curiosity and more conversation and hard conversations because, you know, healthy debate is important. It's, um, we don't have to shut people down because they think or feel differently. We can have you know, we don't have to worry so much about hurting feelings if we can listen and come to an understanding that we see things from different lenses and that that's actually okay and that diversity is what makes miracles and it can be inspiring and, and wonderful as opposed to being... Um, I don't know, angsty or jealousy or just that uncertainty that all those negative things, you know, um, that we can look at challenges in a, in a good light and be willing to be open-minded about where other people are at. Amazing. I, I love that. Wow. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Celebrate diversity and great diversity. Let it be a beautiful thing that brings us together instead of divides us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that sounds like a magnificent note to close our podcast with, if you agree. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. I thank you for your time and your effort and your energy towards this. It's so important and it's, and I really appreciate doing this with you. Thank you so much for, for being a beacon um, as well. It's, it's really, um, it means a lot it's for, for the whole world. So just know that that's, it's really important. And thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, likewise, you know, we are truly so much more powerful together. So I'm so thankful to join forces with you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it feels amazing. So thank you for willing, being willing to embark on this podcast adventure with me, Jamie. I appreciate you so, so very much.
The feeling is so mutual and we love you all. Thank you for mm-hmm. listening to our rambles and we'll get better at it. Over time. <laughs> um, this is the introduction of what we have to offer and there's a lot more to come. Big conversations, big conversations. And yeah, blessed, yeah. Blessed to have the ability to have them. Right. I don't know how often these podcasts will come out. Uh, they might be on an organic rhythm, but you can expect sometimes Jamie and I together, sometimes Jamie and I and people we will interview or Jamie interviewing someone or me interviewing someone and some variation of that. So yeah, we will have other people chiming in and exploring these ginormous multifaceted conversations with you. So we look forward to growing with you guys and see where this goes. We're leaning into the mystery. I love the mystery. That's the best part. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All righty. All right. Well, aloha, my dear. Aloha.